everyone, and welcome to the new episode of the ELT CPD podcast. On today's episode, we'll be speaking to ELT professional Emma Heidemann. Hi, Emma. How are you? Hi, Billy. I'm fine. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. Thanks so much for agreeing to come on and have a chat. Oh, that's a pleasure. Um, so maybe we can start by you telling us a little bit about yourself, so where you got started and your ELT background. Oh, of course. Um, where can I start? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I grew up in England. I'm actually from London, South London. Um, and then typical story, finished university, I'd done a psychology degree. And when I finished, I thought I wanted to become an educational psychologist. Um, so I went off and spoke to somebody in King's College University about becoming an educational psychologist. And they took one look at me and I didn't look very old. And they said, you know what, you're rather young to really? become an educational wow. psychologist. What you really want to do is go out in the world, get yourself some experience, come back, and then we'll talk to you. And so I began to think about this um, and the experience. And I thought, well, actually, what I could do is do some teaching and get some teaching experience. And somebody mentioned this idea of a CELTA, that you could do a qualification and you could teach English around the world. And I thought, perfect. I'll go abroad. I'll teach English. I'll get some experience. Hopefully, I'll grow. I'll get some life experience, too. And that's what I did. So I did my CELTA. Um, I was offered a job in San Sebastian, in International House San Sebastian, mm. um, turned up there, had a wonderful time and loved the school, met my partner and didn't leave. Incredible. I've heard so many stories like this, actually, <laughs> all around the world. Yeah. yeah. So you've been there ever since. And I've been there ever since. So um, you probably won't believe this, but I got there in January 1989. So wow. almost 34 years. Wow. So I still have to go back to King's College University and ask them if I look old enough now to be a <laughs> now you can be the educational psychologist that I always wanted to do but I mean we can talk about that at another point but I think the psychology is relevant for everything definitely so any, so anyway you know what happened next so you know as always it I was very very lucky because International House San Sebastian is enormous um, in its heyday there were 6,000 students and all ages, starting from age four up to 85, all the levels, um, business students, exam students, general students. So basically, I was able to get experience at absolutely everything. And then time goes on, you do your Delta, then I became a director of studies. Then I specialized in young learners. I've always liked young learners and teenagers. So that was something else that I specialized in. And then um, I got contacted by a publisher. Um, by then, I was also responsible for choosing the materials for our school. And one of the publisher reps came in and said, hey, we're looking for somebody to review a book. Would you be interested? Yeah. And this was a book that we were using. And I said, well, OK. Um, he said, we'll pay you a little bit. Um, and it really was a little bit, but it was just something that I thought, oh, this would be interesting and it's a little bit different. So I wrote a review, but as I was reading, looking at this book, I was not only writing review, I was also making suggestions as to how they could improve the material. So that then went off to the publisher. And a couple of weeks later, somebody contacted me and said, well, actually, 
we're looking for new writers. Would you be interested? Wow. And one thing led to another. And two years later, Complete Pet came out. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. So it's, it's what I said to everybody, you know, never to, you know, if you're interested in getting into materials, the first person that you should talk to is the rep, because mm. it's often the reps who are there passing on your names to people up top. So if you don't know people, begin with exactly. your rep. Do you know, of all the podcast conversations we've had so far, I don't think anyone's mentioned the reps. <laughs> so that's a really, really good point. Yeah, um, absolutely. That's something I've never considered before, actually. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, next time you go to a conference, and now that we can go to face-to-face conferences, if writing is something you're interested in, you know, why don't you go and talk to the reps, you know, just see how they're getting on. Ask them if they're looking for people who might, who could review material or give their opinions or look at things. And it's often the reps who say, oh, yes, I'll, I'll pass your name on. So would you say that reviewing materials is quite an integral part of ELT consulting? Right. Yes. I mean, if if you think about what a consultant does, um, I think we could divide it into um, the whole world of being an ELT freelance. We could divide it into three areas. So we could talk about the people who write materials. So they write course books, workbooks, teachers books, whatever. We've also got the teacher trainers who go out there and train And then in the middle, we've got the consultants. So if you kind of imagine a Venn diagram, the consultants would be kind of in the middle circle. Yeah. And they do a bit of everything. So, yes, you know, when we're talking about working with publishers, definitely it'd be the consultants who are looking at the materials. And maybe these consultants have a speciality or a niche. For example, there are people around who know a lot about diversity, equity and inclusion. So they might be looking at it from that point of view. We've also got the neurodiversity experts who would look at it from that point of view. We might just have somebody whose niche is they have a lot of experience teaching a particular market. So, for example, if you know about the Spanish state system and you've taught in secondary schools, maybe you would be a good person. That's really interesting. And so when you were first approached about um, reviewing materials, was it sort of a a level or an ability of class that you were teaching? Um, Or was it just because you were using that course book at the time that you were sort of asked to to review the materials? Um, In this case, it was because we were using the book. Um, I mean, the school was enormous. And I think we had something like a thousand students. It was an intermediate book, uh, pet preparation book and we had a thousand students using it and I was using it myself and I think that's why um and I've all I mean they knew that I was very very interested in teenagers so I think it was a kind of combination of that of the kind of classroom experience the interest and also the kind of inquisitive mind I mean Mm -hmm. I've already begun to ask questions so I think what they're looking for is that you know somebody who has experience and somebody who is willing to kind of go a little bit deeper and ask questions yeah, um, cool. yeah give and their not, opinions yeah and not simply take the course book as it is perhaps mm. seeing it, what it could be as well yes definitely. absolutely absolutely um, and what other ELT consulting roles have you done or what, what other experience do you have 
Right. So um, if we go back to our kind of our Venn diagram, so we've got the kind of publisher side. So I've done some reviewing. I've done a little bit of looking at um, the syllabus for a course book and giving my opinion on that. Okay. I've also looked at a pilot unit and kind of Mm -hmm. talked about whether I thought it would work or not. Mm -hmm. So that would be working with publishers. If we go over to the training side, I've also been involved in helping a brand new school set up a training program. So how that worked is they had a group of teachers. I went in and I observed all the teachers for about 20 minutes, each teacher. And I Mm -hmm. said to each teacher, I'm just going to come in. I want you just to give a normal lesson. I want you to just ignore me because I'm just going to be looking and we're going to eventually be working together to think about how best we can work together to improve the teaching. So I basically went round sampling a little bit of teaching from all the teachers, from all the different levels, different age groups. And from that, I reached some conclusions and working with the teachers, we drew up a kind of training program. So we looked at where their strengths were and areas that we could work on to actually make things better. That's incredible. That's affecting so much change in the whole school and the teachers themselves. And was that a school that you were working in or was that a school that had sort of um, known that you're a consultant and hired you that way? That was through the school I was already working with. It was a school that um, I was the San Sebastian school over the years has grown bigger and bigger and bigger. And it was actually about to acquire this school. So, in fact, it was my manager who said, we need to provide some training. Would Mm -hmm. you go and do that for us? Amazing. And when we're talking about ELT consultancy, I mean, I know it varies in in terms of length, but how long would you expect to spend on a consultancy project? Oh, that's that's another. How long is a piece of string? I I mean I th- I think it can't go on and on and on forever. That that not. But I think I mean there are various stages to it, and I would say um, you're talking about your pre. So your pre is talking to the school, finding out exactly what they need, what. And defining the question, what question do you want answering? So in the case of this school we acquired, it was what training could we provide to improve the teaching immediately? Mm -hmm. And that that was our question that we then had to go out and find the answer. So you would have that pre-chat first and that would be, you know, an hour. Mm-hmm. Then there might be some documents you want to look at. So you might do a little bit of research about the school. So you might want to look at, well, what training have they received already? You might look at the curriculums of the teachers. You might want to look at what materials are they using already, et cetera, et cetera. Then you have your kind of action stage where you actually go into the school. So there you would do probably two things. One thing would be interviews. So you would talk to the managers, the directors, the teachers, the students, the clients, the clients being the parents of the students, the admin. And then you'd also observe a class. Um, Mm -hmm. You'd observe a sample of classes. So this could be one day, two days. It really depends on the size of the school. Mm -hmm. And after that, you'd have your feedback stage. So you'd want to sit down with whoever's doing it and talk to them about it. 
So we're already talking about two full days of, or one or two full days of being in the school. We've got your pre-meeting, your post-feedback, and then finally you'd have some kind of report. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of talking about three days' work, wow. but not exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. And I guess with course book reviewing, there would it would be per unit perhaps yes, or per yes, lesson. Yes, yes. Um, and I guess that would be staggered. Is that right? Is that how you've received it in the past? Yes, 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 yes. So you do, I mean, they'd always give you one unit first just mm-hmm. to check that you were the good fit, the right fit, because obviously I could start looking at a book and the kind of feedback I'm giving just might not be appropriate or relevant yeah. or it might not be what they're kind of looking for. So you mm-hmm. do your first unit, they then get back to you and say, yes, yes, that's great. And then you'd probably get the next unit staggered. Yeah. And when you're reviewing course materials as a consultant, what sort of things are you usually looking for? They'll normally ask you. I mean, normally they'll give you what's called a brief. Mm -hmm. So a brief is their own list of questions. Mm -hmm. And it's very, very interesting. I mean, what they're looking for is the fit. You know, how does the whole unit fit within the culture? You know, how think about the theme? Do you think it would work? You know, and obviously uh, the very last book I did was at primary level. And if it was a whole unit on Brexit, for example, I'd probably write back and say, I don't think this is going to work at primary (laughs) level. (laughs) I'm not sure yeah or you know some you know you have to you'd kind of expect things like sport or animals or toys or Mm -hmm. so they'd probably talk about topic first they'd also ask you to look at the images because Mm -hmm. obviously with well with all levels that's something really really important yeah then they'd probably ask you to look at the unit structure how the unit's organized And then they'd specifically ask you to focus on different sections of the book. Mm -hmm. Maybe how the activities flow and sort of the pedagogy behind it. Exactly. They often ask you questions about the the approach. So they might say, our stated approach is this. To what extent do you think it fits with that stated approach? Mm -hmm. Excellent. And are there any other sort of ELT consultancy roles that you personally haven't done, but but you know that sort of fits in into that um, position? Yeah, I mean, as I mentioned, there are niche areas, things like, you know, somebody who can look at diversity and inclusion, somebody who can look at neurodiversity. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure I can think of any others. I mean, I'm trying to think of people I know who use the title ELT consultant next to their yeah. name. Mm-hmm. It's quite vague, isn't it? It, it, is, comes it is. Different things. And I guess there might be people listening who do other things as well, which would be really interesting to hear about. But yeah, Absolutely. I'm only aware of, of the things that you've mentioned. I think it's really interesting that you said about um, the language schools as well. Could a consultant maybe be hired to assist in, I don't know, sort of expanding the school slightly or bringing in a new, maybe a CLIL class um, or something like that, perhaps? Yes, yes, no, definitely. Um, I mean, one of the big topics, uh, for example, is what do we do with our teenagers in a language school? Um, Teenagers generally are the most difficult market because they're so busy at school and a lot of them, the last thing they want to do is go to a language school So one of the questions I've in fact been asked um, and whether I could look at that is how can we improve our teaching of teenagers? 
Could you look at the materials we're using? Is there another approach we could use? Could we use a CLIL approach? Or is there maybe we could use a project approach? Mm-hmm. What about the summer course? How could we change the summer course? Yes. Could we introduce mm-hmm. more life skills? I mean, that's the there's quite a lot of work being done on things like soft skills, you know, getting mm-hmm. them to become good leaders, getting them to better communicators, better at thinking creati- creatively, these kind of things. So, yes, yes, I think it's definitely something that a consultant can look at. Excellent. And um, does an ELT consultant usually only work as a consultant or do they usually do other things as well? I mean, in my case, I definitely do other things. I mean, at the moment, I would say that my main job is still writing and writing materials um, just because I've got ongoing projects. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And the good thing about writing is, is as long as the deadlines aren't too tight, it really is something that you keep going at and you keep working on. And in fact, the consultancy you can do as an addition. Definitely. And is it something that you could do whilst perhaps you're not a freelancer? Maybe you're employed by a school or working as a teacher or something? Yes. I mean, in fact, there is another type of consultancy I've just thought about. There are a couple of organisations. For example, my school was a member of International House and also of Equals, which is kind of um, an international organisation of quality language schools. Mm -hmm. To join either of them and to stay members of them, you need to pass an inspection. And what both organisations look for are inspectors, which Mm -hmm. I also do. So I'm employed by them to go to a school and inspect the school and just check that the school is meeting the standards. Mm -hmm. So I was doing that even while I was employed by La Kuntha and, in fact, by International House. And, in fact, for the school, it was a benefit because it meant I was both going out and visiting other schools, but also I was very aware of quality standards and the kind of standards that we should try and maintain in our own school. Definitely. And how did you get that position? Was it something you applied for or were you approached about it? Um, In both cases, I applied to do it. So in both cases, I approached International House and Equals. So I think anybody with years teaching experience, experience of working in different contexts, probably somebody who speaks more than one language. Um, Mm -hmm. I think if you don't speak another European or possibly Chinese or another language, I think that's what they're interested in. So people who speak English or plus another language. Okay. And why would the languages be important? Because you're inspecting schools all over the world. Okay. So you're not just inspecting schools in the UK. Um, oh. In my role, I've also inspected schools in in Spain and also in South America. And obviously, if you're going to inspect a school in a Spanish-speaking country, it's going to help that you speak Spanish or mm-hmm. if you speak Portuguese or if you speak Chinese, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So to be hired as a consultant, would you would you say to people sort of have a look at vacancies or, or sort of how did you go about applying? Was it looking on their website or did you know someone? Or? Um, so to be an inspector, you apply to institutions and you apply to mm-hmm. one of those. But to be a consultant, how, I mean, I think you just have to put your name out there. I think you have to get known as this is what I do. 
Mm -hmm. So what I do is I post on LinkedIn and I keep that going fairly regularly. I post about what I've been doing. I post a question about what consultants do. And it's just kind of raising awareness, raising awareness of my own name, letting people know that I'm a consultant. Mm -hmm. I also go to conferences um, and through my years of working in International House, obviously, I, I already built up contacts. So in a couple of occasions, people have approached me and said, oh, I hear you've gone freelance. Would you be interested in working with us as a consultant? Mm -hmm. So I don't think you're necessarily going to spot a vacancy on a website or on an advert. I think you've really got to put your name out there and say, hey, guys, here I am. I'm a consultant. I'm, I'm open exactly. to work. Are you interested? Exactly. Um, I think for me, I was writing for uh, a publisher. And like you said, you can often consult as sort of as and when you want to do it. Um, so I was approached by a publisher about a new edition of a course book and they said, oh, would you like to, to review, like you said, the first unit of the materials? Um, and then it's just gone from there with with new course books and new editions as well, um, turning into sort of workshops and brainstorming sessions online or face to face. I think it's often with um, new editions of course books more so. Um, maybe because they have the sort of foundation and the success of the first. It's kind of like you said with, with the pet book um, and building on that. Is that your experience as well? Or have you sort of consulted on new projects? Yeah, no, I, I think a bit of both. I have also consulted on new projects. Um, what they tend to do is when they get, they talk about concepts. So they have a new concept for a book and quite often they'll produce what they call a prototype. And at that stage is when they're looking for consultants to have a look, people with teaching experience who can just kind of look at it as we've already talked about. So I think I've done a bit of both. I've done, mm -hmm. you know, looking at the new edition, what's not right in the first edition, but I have also looked at the kind of prototype unit and mm -hmm. given my advice on that. Yeah, I think people need to be aware that that kind of work isn't very well paid the publisher will often offer you the money and it isn't necessarily open to negotiation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not like materials writing or editing, perhaps. Is it quite different in, in terms of fees and yes, yes. project length? Well? Exactly. Yeah. Very, very different. Um, you're generally given a fee. So generally you'll be told, we'd like you to do eight units or we'd like you to do one unit with 12 pages and this is the fee. We expect it will take you between seven and 10 hours. It always takes much longer than whatever they say. It always takes much longer, but yeah. you'll never get more money from it. You know, they'll always say, this is the fee. It will take as long as it will take you and we'll pay you at the end of it. That's really important to, is, to mention. Exactly, exactly. But it's worth it. You know, for some, it's, it's two things. It's very interesting. I mean, I always find it fascinating having a look thinking about things, thinking about how it could work better. And then one thing could lead to another. Definitely. I mean, in your case, it led to writing the whole book. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I also think it helps you understand if you're a materials writer, perhaps even an editor as well, mm -hmm. your own process for writing. And perhaps it could give you inspiration. You Absolutely. know, if you see an activity and you think, oh, that's quite unique and innovative. I haven't used that before. Mm -hmm. I can mm -hmm. try and use that. Or... I've done this in a different way and I think this could work better. 
in X way, for example. No, I agree. And I was talking about the brief before and the Mm -hmm. questions are brilliant. You know, you've got this kind of checklist of questions that then always stick in your mind. Mm -hmm. And you've always got those there at the back of your mind when you're then writing your own materials. And even if your next step isn't immediately to write for a publisher, it's still useful for your own classroom. So next time you're in the classroom and you create your own set of materials, you can be thinking, okay, so how relevant is the topic? What about the images? What do I, is this a good image to use? Is it as inclusive as it could possibly be? Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Are these questions really going to get my students talking or interested? Mm -hmm. So I think all of that is is very good reflection. Absolutely. And you mentioned that um, having, of course, classroom experience is really beneficial if you want to do consultancy. Um, what other experience and skills do you think someone might need to be a, an effective ELT consultant? So I think a lot of it is similar to the sort of stuff um, that a freelancer in general needs. So you need to be a disciplined person. You need to be able to manage your own time. There's you're your own boss suddenly. So nobody's going to tell you, okay, now you've got to do this, this and this. And you've got to wake up at this time tomorrow morning because the day starts at this time. So you have to become very, very good at time management. You have to be organized. You have to be able to set realistic deadlines. Not, I mean, at the beginning, it's very, very tempting to take on just too much and think in one day you can work nine hours. Well, you can't. Always. (laughs) I mean, you can work nine hours, but the the quality of what you produce, I mean, I I don't know. I'm a great believer in deep, deep stuff is about four hours. The rest of my day is easy stuff like writing emails or meeting. So I think that's very, very important. And then after that, you need to be quite a humble person, I think. not be too um you have to be able to be have empathy so be when I mean by empathy is be able to step in the shoes of somebody else so you're going to go and visit a school or you're going to help a publisher but what you can never do is go in with your own agenda Mm -hmm. so you can never go in and say well I believe that it should be this this and this because it's nothing to do with you it's to do with them so what they want exactly so when you go in, you have to almost have this kind of clear mind and kind of think, okay, well, this is what they want. And what we're going to look at is the best way of them creating it for themselves. Mm-hmm. Does that kind mm-hmm. of make sense? Yeah, I think it goes back to what you said about asking the question initially. What mm-hmm. question do they want answered? Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's materials, whether it's schools, what are they hiring you for? What is the, it's like a mission statement, I guess, isn't it? Like, Absolutely. what is your mission in this consultancy? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And your mission is not your own creation of a new school, because that's not your that's not what you're about to do. Mm-hmm. And I guess in, in terms of materials, your goal is not to become the sole writer of this project. No. It's it's to it's to review the materials which are already were being written. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely. that's such a good way of thinking about it, definitely. Um and are, are there any other sort of personal skills someone might need? I know you said they need to be sort of humble and, and things like that, but um what about because obviously you're critiquing someone's work. So how would you frame that perhaps? So you're talking about being tactful and, you know, how how to put a positive spin on everything and how to be constructive. Because obviously, 
And there's some quite delicate things going on. You know, at a management level, the school owner has created this school and it's their baby. So you're not going to go in there and rubbish it in the same way with a publisher. You know, they've brought out this prototype. They think it's brilliant. So you have to be really, really careful how you go in there. You know, I kind of think about this bull in a china shop. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I mean, (laughs) and then as you go down the levels, remember that you walk into the school, nobody knows you. You then start talking to people like the directors of studies and they're all kind of like, oh, my, you know, they're all kind of a bit nervous. What's she going to say? Is she is my job on the line? Is are things going to change so much that I can't work in this place anymore? Then you get down to the teachers and you're saying to the teachers, and I'm going to come in and observe you. And these mm-hmm. poor teachers are like, oh, why is she coming to observe me? Does that mean I'm going to lose my job? So all of this, you have to be really, really careful. And you need to explain it. I mean, I think before you, each stage, you need to sit down with each group and say, OK, so the next stage is this and this is why I'm doing it. So True, true. Yeah, putting yourself in perhaps the teacher or the director of studies position and thinking, mm. oh, how would I handle it if I if I were them? Yeah, 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 yeah. And the teachers are the, you know, the people that you've really got to get on your side and say, I'm coming in here because I'm going to hopefully make your life a lot easier because I'm going to come mm. in and see what you're doing. And remember, mm. I'm looking at the teaching and the learning. I'm not looking at the teacher and the learner. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of the behavior. What's what's mm-hmm. going on in the classroom? I'm not looking at you or your character. Yeah. I'm not going to strike you down. I'm just looking at what's happening and if there's anything we can do to make it even better than it already is. Yeah, essentially it would make their job and their lives easier Absolutely. at the end of it. And like you said, it's not about the individual, it's about the, the whole. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I guess the same goes for re- reviewing materials. You'd have to think, I'm critiquing this person in a way that I would would take the feedback, you know, Absolutely. I'd, I'd be too direct or abrupt. How would I feel if someone said that about my work? Absolutely. So. I mean, you've read, you must have read all sorts of comments on your own work. I mean, when you write the first draft of a piece of material, you send it back to the editor and suddenly, you know, a month later, it comes back covered in comments. Mm-hmm. And some mm-hmm. of them are kind and some of them just, you know, at the beginning, they just break your morale. I mean, as you go on, <laughs> you, you just learn to live with them. But you, exactly. I mean, you just have to learn to say things in such a way that it's always constructive. You know, it's mm-hmm. always you never lie. I mean, I don't think you should go in there and say, oh, the teaching in this school is brilliant if it isn't. Yeah, But you begin with, well, look, there are some really strong things that we can work with. What I saw was a lot of this great thing, this great thing, this great thing. Mm -hmm. Where I think we could really make a difference is here, here, and here, and then Mm -hmm. go into the negative. But if you Mm -hmm. put it in those kind of terms... They, t- they take it much they take it much better than if you go in there and say oh I saw so much wrong there because <laughs> <laughs> that's what they're expecting you to say in their minds even though you wouldn't actually say it. <laughs> yeah it's true that's really true um so how can um this is a listener question actually mm. how how can a school firstly find out that you're a, an ELT consultant and then how can you 
basically answered this question anyway, but how can language schools benefit from having an ELT consultant? Yeah, I mean, how can they find out about me? That's, you know, I think a language school would be searching for someone, I guess, or through contacts, word of mouth, maybe somebody would mention somebody's name to somebody. Um, As for how would a school, you know, why would a school employ a consultant? I mean, if you take a school with a structure with, they've got a director of studies and they've got an academic manager and they've got a school owner, surely one of those people could go around observing classes and give feedback, et cetera, et cetera. However, when we think about the day-to-day, I remember when I was academic manager, I would set out at the beginning of the day, I would say, right, today I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And I'd do none of it because by 10 o'clock, someone was on the phone sick and I'd have to go off and cover a class. In the afternoon, a family's come in because they need some feedback on their child's progress. At five o'clock, the school owner would like to call a meeting because of X, Y, and Z. And suddenly my day's gone. So the advantage of calling on an ELT consultant is you bring somebody in and that's all they're going to do. They're not going to get distracted. They're just going to go in there. They're going to do the job. And at the end of it, they're going to give you an answer. And if it's somebody that you trust or somebody that you feel, yes, this is a good fit, I think it could make quite a big difference. Definitely. And I guess they're coming in from an unbiased point of view as well, particularly well, if they don't work at the school. Um, let's say you were to go back to, to the language school and um, consult for them, for example, yeah. you don't work there anymore. So you're sort of unbiased and perhaps you would notice things that someone else wouldn't yes. and they're facing it day to day. I mean, that's a good point, because if we go back to the question, obviously, the school owner, the director of studies and the teachers have a very strong bias to that question. Mm-hmm. Like the teacher's question is, am I a good teacher? I mean, that's, mm-hmm. what you know, or are my lessons successful? The mm-hmm. director's studies question will be something similar. And the school owner's question will be, so is this the best school in the country? Whereas I'm going in there with, with no questions. I, you know, I'm completely, I hope, objective. I hope I'm not going in with my agenda and be able to answer something in a much more kind of objective way. And with publishers, um, we've sort of said to review materials, but do publishers always hire consultants simply to review materials? Perhaps would they not hire consultants to review materials and just sort of go ahead with with a um, a concept? Or yeah, why would a publisher? Why would yeah? Why would they? I think for that reason. I mean, I think maybe they wouldn't hire a consultant, and they would just pass it on to teachers. Mm-hmm. But the yeah. teacher is still fulfilling the same role. I mean, what I have seen are things like teacher focus groups where yeah. the rep comes into a school and says, can I get together a group of teachers? And the rep mm-hmm. will sit down with a group of teachers and show them the material. I would say that in my own experience, most p- publishers do that. Most publishers, before they continue with a course, try it I mean, it'd be crazy not to. I mean, imagine, you know, they publish this new, this wonderful new approach to teaching English or teaching another language. They take it to the market. It's tried in a school and it flops. Yeah. I mean, it'd be crazy not to have <laughs> waste of money. <laughs> waste of money. And it could have been something really simple, like in this new approach, they don't number the pages. And maybe the fact that the pages aren't numbered 
is a huge problem for the teachers. That is a very, very interesting point because I, <laughs> I actually had a discussion whilst I was reviewing materials. Um, I was coming at it from the perspective of a teacher at the time and um, the page numbers had moved to the top of the page rather than the bottom. Um, and there was quite, I think it was about an hour and a half long session discussion about how do you feel about this essentially? And it's something that, that perhaps... I didn't mind so much, but for other people, it was just a completely new concept. Yeah. So that's really important yeah. to consider. And little things like the teacher's book can sell the whole course. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, this whole idea of, well, how do we design the teacher's book? Do we have a page of student book side by side the teacher's notes? Or do we have the teacher's notes as a standalone? So the teacher has to have both books open at once. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are all these discussions, and I think you'd be crazy not to show it to a group of teachers first to mm-hmm. kind of get their reaction, especially if there's something new going on. I, I think that's really, really worth mentioning, actually, that I don't know. Well, it was the same for you, I, I think, um, just based on what you were saying, that you were hired as a consultant first as a teacher. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, exactly. The same The same goes for me. So yeah. um, how can teachers or perhaps freelancers, learn more about ELT consulting. So I don't think it's something that's really discussed enough um, compared to other other things like materials, writing and editing. Yeah, no, no, you're right. And I don't know if there's any books written about it. I mean, I think we're really talking about people who have had some, not only teaching, but also some kind of management position. So whether you've been a senior teacher and you've managed a group of teachers, you've been involved in selecting materials, or you've been involved in a training program, I think you need to have a little bit more than just, well, I've been a teacher. And then, for example, there are a couple of courses around. Like I know Niall run a course in, I, I can't, it's an online course. And I think it's called something like Leadership and Management. Mm-hmm. Maybe something like that would help. And I yeah. think International House also have an online course in. Mm-hmm. And what they've done is they've broken it down into different modules. So possibly a module in, you know, managing a school, maybe that would give somebody sort of a bit more background into the kind of things they might be asked to do. That's really interesting. And when you were at IATEFL um, recently, did you see anybody advertising themselves as consultants, like on business cards or or perhaps things like that? Or is that something that is sort of bottom of the, the yeah. queue? <laughs> I mean, what I saw was a lot of people advertising themselves as specialists So there were a lot of diversity, equity and inclusion specialists or neurodiversity specialists or Mm -hmm. but I didn't see many people advertising themselves as I am a consultant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting, I guess, because you sort of touched on the fees earlier and it's it's maybe not something that you can quit your job for. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, as a publisher, as a publisher's consultant, probably not. But um, something quite interesting about being a consultant is that you now are your own boss and you now set the fee. So whereas when you go to a publisher and you write a piece of material or you advertise yourself as a director of studies or somebody asks you to do a train piece of training, in those cases, they would say, and we're offering this fee. But as a consultant, suddenly the shoe is on you. So it's you who's saying, well, this is what I suggest I do. 
And this is the fee that I'll offer you. And how do you know where to start with that? I guess, like you said, it's weighing up sort of the time and your value. And Absolutely, absolutely. And it's, it's and asking around and asking colleagues. I mean, I suddenly thought there is another job that's, that there is a lot of, and that's coaches. I mean, there are people who call themselves teacher coaches, which means mm-hmm. that they go into the classroom and coach their students. But there are also coaches who are working with teachers who want to set up online. So they're helping them develop their own online business. Or there are people like Rachel Roberts, who Mm -hmm. is a she works with freelancers and helps them set up their own freelancing business. Mm. So they're these kind of people. But whether there are people around like me who go out and help language schools, that I'm less aware of. Mm-hmm. That'd be really interesting to hear about, actually, when mm. when we sort of uh, release the episode, if people could sort of comment if they've had the same experiences, that'd be really, really useful mm. to know. Because mm. um, I know it exists, but I don't know anyone that has done that role apart from you. So it's really interesting to hear about it. So thank you so much for sharing your experiences. Oh, you're welcome. Um, is there anything else that you'd, you'd sort of mention um, about ELT consulting or anything that you're working on yourself that you'd like to mention? Um, I mean, obviously, as an ELT consultant, I'll, you know, I can do an- anything. And we, you know, we talked about the Venn diagram and the fact that one of it is writing, one of it's training, and then you've got the bit in the middle. So something I am working on at the moment with um, Niall, in fact, is I'm helping them design an online training course in teaching teenagers, wow. which is great because it's kind of combining my academic management experience and my experience mm-hmm. of observing teachers teaching teenagers and the kind of things I saw and the kind of struggles and challenges they faced so I've kind of combined that with my own knowledge of years and years of teaching teenagers myself Mm -hmm. so that's a kind of area where you can combine the both you know both you can combine your kind of training experience with the kind of management experience and put together an online course that hopefully will get some kind of take up and people be interested in doing that's amazing. And do you personally have a blog or, or a website where, where you update with what you're doing? I do have a website and I am incredibly guilty of not updating it regularly enough. I think, <laughs> I mean, I think it will be something I'll be working on and coming back to. It's actually called From ELT Teacher to Infinity. Okay. And nice. the name is because I, I really believe that um, – once you become an ELT teacher and you get all that, all those skills and all that knowledge, you can actually do anything. And that's where the yes. infinity comes in. 100%. That's, that's a great way to think about it because I guess for me personally, when I first got into, into ELT, similar to you, I wasn't expecting to turn it into a lifelong career. Um, so, yeah, it, it's one of those things that you can just go on and, and do things that you've never planned for but but love absolutely even more when you're doing them definitely and there's so much out there you know and just keep remembering my my Venn diagram you know you can do some writing you can do some training or put it both together and do consultancy well thank you so much for coming on and sharing your expertise um we'll put a link to your uh, personal website along with the episode and um yeah if anyone's got any questions hopefully they can get in touch with you and, and find you on LinkedIn yes Yes, look forward to hearing from people. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you so much, Emma. Bye. 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 
So thanks so much to everyone for listening to the show and thanks so much to Emma for coming on and talking about ELT consultancy. We hope you learned just as much as we did. If you do have an idea for an episode or would like to come on to have a chat, do get in touch, info at eltcpd.com. Thanks so much for listening to the show. Bye.